This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Hey everybody, my name is Alex and you're listening to Lunchbox Radio. Now, before we get to even me rambling, I want to get something unfortunate out of the way first, and that is that the casual that the names of the people who died in the tragic arson attack on at Kyoani have come out and it turns out that that Yatsuhiro Takemoto, the director of shows like Lucky Star and Dragon Maid, a really amazing animator and director, uh, did lose his life to that. And I just wanted to offer my heartfelt remembrance of him because he did direct Dragon Maid, which is one of my favorite things out of Kill Annie. And I just feel I need to say something up front to know that, so that you, the listeners, know that I did appreciate his work and I hold his work quite importantly. Um, now, with that somber thing out of the way, I want to also thank everybody who listened to my last episode on dot .hack liminality and kind of the whole dot .hack thing. That was a big, messy thing that I didn't <laughs> intend it to be, but it ended up being because I found, I find the dot .hack property to be kind of interesting. For a number of reasons. If you're wondering what those reasons are, you can go back and listen to the last episode in the feed called Dot Hack Liminality. It's, um, I think it's just called Hack Liminality because I didn't want to screw anybody's RSS feeds up. Um, but you can definitely go listen to that and see what I think about Dot Hack Liminality and by extension the whole thing. Um, but today we're going to return to a different group. We're going to return to, like, a different... I don't want to call it universe, but a different creator, so to speak. Because today, what we're going to be talking about is a show... is a show that was much less than the source material that it came from, and we're going to talk about that, too, um, called Air Gear.
Um, the I've talked about another show from the same creator at Air Gear, and that's Tenjo Tenge. You can go listen to that in the feed. It's a pretty popular episode, actually. I was surprised. And in that episode, I talked about that manga art. That manga artist, the name of the artist, is specifically is Oh Great. And I talked about his treatment of the kind of like outer class of Japan. The the kind of like um, they they call them the untouchable. It's, I think they call them the untouchables, but. They're basically, uh, like every, like every country that doesn't want to admit out loud that it has something like this, Japan has a hierarchy, and there are people in that hierarchy, of which if I was a Japanese citizen, I would probably be included, who are seen as lower than anyone else. These are disabled people, yours truly. Speaking of disabled people... I'm going to be giving my talks, um, Full Metal and Beyond, at the Liberty City Anime Con this Saturday. I'm also going to be doing a talk called, uh, a panel, I call them talks in my head, but a panel called Mommy and Daddy Hate You, A Guide to, to Bad Anime Parenting, uh, and a panel called Welcome to Your Cyberpunk Future, which is a look at what cyberpunk could look like with the help of think five different anime series um but those are happening on this saturday and sunday so the day after hearing this if you're going to those conventions definitely look up those panel names up in the sub in the schedule and come check me out but getting back to the point at hand that so oh great oh great started out as a hentai author, as an arrow manga author, and what that means is that he has this... Before, actually, Food Wars, I would actually say he has this uncanny ability to create beautiful characters. Like, characters what look good without their clothes on, kind of thing. And there are many creators who do that kind of Incidentally, but with Ogre, it feels way more. How should I put this? Um, intentional. Like it, it feels in Ogre shows like eventually the whole the whole artifice falls aside and it just becomes a hentai. If that makes any sense. If you've seen Tenjo Tenge, it you know the kind of feeling I'm talking about. Like. This, they have sex scenes in that show, and the sex scenes are just a little lurid, a little too edging towards that bane. And that's because he was actually a hentai author. His most known hentai work is actually this long-running thing called Silky Whip. But And I've read it just out of sheer curiosity it's like wait what <laughs> okay um but and by the way the reason why i mentioned the um artist for food wars because the artist for food wars used to be a arrow manga ka the same way ogre used to be one but the difference with ogre is ogre 
always had a focus on story. And I said a lot of this in the um, episode for Tenjo Tenge, but he has this tendency to not be able to ignore stories to get to the good bits of like what you would expect Arrow Manga to want to focus on, which is sex. And so even his like most lurid Arrow Manga have this woven story in it that the manga forces you to not ignore. And Tenjo Tenge is a shorter is a longer variant of the two things that he had known for that are not Aeromanga. But what's interesting about Air Gear is it takes strong is it the manga and a show that takes strong influence from other popular culture. And that other piece of popular culture is actually a video game called Jet Set Radio Future. And for those of you who don't know what Jet Set Radio Future is, or if you've heard whisperings of it, I would bet you've heard whisperings of it. It because it is a it's a game about rollerblading and graffiti. And if you've seen Air Gear, your the lights in your head are probably blinking like crazy. Like, wait, what? So basically, Jet Set Radio Future is set in, like, the near future, stop me if this sounds familiar if you've seen Air Gear, where teenagers have gotten a hold of electrified roller skates that allow them to do insane, never-thought-to-be-possible-before tricks, and they put up these tags everywhere. Like, they'll put up, like, I think the first mission is you have to do a trick up onto the awning, the hard awning of a building, and then you have to spray paint a graffiti tag on, like, that blank wall. And that's, like, the... But also, there is a special police force that is developed to deal with these crazy, jet-setting, mischievous, evil teens on battery-powered rollerblades. And if you have seen Air Gear, you know that's exactly the kind of setting Air Gear is in. Um, I haven't played the whole Jet Set Radio game because, A, it's a very two-handed game and I'm living a one-handed life. Um, But B, also my Xbox 360 Red Ring. So I went out and picked up a Switch. So... What do you want me to do? Um, but you don't have to play hardly anything to see the inf- to see the influences. And when I say the influences, I mean Air Gear is until you see Jet Set Radio, a seems like this product of a cross between what is a sports anime and a like a delinquent anime with like be if they, like, had a happy marriage and made, like, a perfect weird little baby. that makes any sense? But once you see Jet Set Radio Future, you can't ignore the fact that once you see or play Jet Set Radio Future, you can't ignore the fact that 
that is where Air Gear is pulling, like, at least, at the very least, 85% of its um, inspiration from. From the music, to the, like, to the world structure, to the, like, to the structure of challenging another group in the Air Gear universe. It's all this, like, high, like, high concept, fleshed out version of what Jet Set Radio Future could look like. And I find it really fascinating because it, Jet, and I'm mentioning Jet Set Radio Future a lot here, but it's such a the game has such a strong, unique voice that it makes total sense that that some creator would look at it and be like, I want to make something like that. Let's fig-, And he sits down and figures it out. And But the thing about Air Gear is that it doesn't play like a... It doesn't play like a fan fiction. It doesn't feel like a fan fiction, and part of that is because of the way that Ograit handles stories. Ograit isn't interested in just um cribbing from something else and then, like, kind of playing with it. He's interested clearly in making things that have these big, complicated stories that build on themselves over time. That That is true of the Tenjo Tenge manga, and by extension the anime. And, but the thing about the Air Gear anime is the Tenjo Tenge anime cuts off at a more or less specific point. And it, the point that it cuts off it feels like a complete story arc. Like, it feels like you've spent enough time with these characters and the story can end. There's no feeling of, um, the best way I can put it is that this scene in, um, Paradise Kiss, actually, where I, that I've talked about on, a show that I've talked about on this podcast and is very fascinating and good. Unfortunately, I don't know if there's a whole lot of ways you can watch it. Um... <laughs> But if you've seen Paradise Kiss, there's a scene in maybe two-thirds of the way through the show where you meet this side character, and the show calls him out, and you're like, huh? And then he looks straight in the camera, and he goes, like, my name is Mr. Whatever-his-name-is, and if you want to know more about me and my, and, like, my backstory, go read name, uh, and he thinks, like, the voice actor says this, I swear to God, go read the neighborhood, go read Neighborhood Stories, the manga, by the same author. Neighborhood Stories also has a 50-episode-long anime, which I have attempted to conquer, have not got through it, gotten through it yet, but I will. I swear to God. Um, but, that, that is a facet of that show, knowing that if you made it this far on the show, even if it is a short show, 
you're probably interested in seeing more from that author and of that kind of story. And Paradise Kiss, as a show, is the show that made Ayazawa like a big name in the anime world. It, it's so big, in fact, that that show's credited with the birth of the style of fashion known as Gothic Lolita fashion. Um, now, whether that's true or not, I can't say, but it's credited as being at least one of the things that started that fashion craze. Um, but it's also not Ayazawa's baby. Ayazawa's baby first was Neighborhood Stories. But then was a show called Nana, which I've also done an episode on. That's like this big 47-episode thing. And it's this big, like... I think more than 40... More than 50-volume manga that is this, like, epic, tragic tale of, like, star-crossed lovers and rock and roll and punk rock and all this, like, insane shit. And that character, I think his name is, like, Momoji or something, uh, he helps the viewer know there's more of this, there's more of this kind of thing. Here's how, here's where to go look. But, which is different than, well, the story's done, oh well, Sorry, we, we ran out of budget, or we weren't renewed for the second season, so this is all you get. And unfortunately, Air Gear has that problem. It stops right in the middle of, like, a um, Kyoto arc, so to speak, and it never... Th there's no more... There is more to the show... But the more of the show is more of a proof of concept of what the later parts of Air Gear the manga could look like and requires so much to buy into that and and requires so much backstory that happened between the end of the Air Gear anime to the beginning of the um I think, I forget what it was called, like the Ergius Sleeping Forest OVAs or something, in which whole character arcs happened, whole things happened to these people, and whole things, like, things deeply changed. Like, a character who is this, like, manic pixie dream girl character becomes wheelchair-bound, which is, which is significant in the show for a number of reasons but becomes wheelchair-bound and becomes this, like, prophetic truth-teller person. And, if I'm honest, part of the reason I want to talk about this show is because I think, I, I know that there is something great in the property of Air Gear, and there is something unique in the property of Air Gear, even for 2019. And it... it the anime does not capture it. The anime does not really... The anime... St as soon as the anime starts to get you to where you as a viewer 
are expecting it to go, and it starts to get into interesting... It starts to get into interesting territory, it drops off, and it's very clear that there was not a lot of interest for... There was probably not a lot of viewer interest for it. Which I think is unfortunate, because... How should I put this? Lots of people would tell you that uh, manga ka like Taikobu is interested primarily in drawing cool shit. And Bleach was his outlet for doing that. And the reason why Bleach went crazy is because he kept getting himself into these corners where he couldn't, we could no longer draw the kind of cool stuff, cool, new, big, weird shit he always, like, he wanted to draw. So he would, like, have to write himself out of those corners somehow. Um, and that's, that, that's not, there's nothing wrong with that. It just, for a viewer, it feels like, it, it feels like a betrayal story-wise because you are ignoring the continuity that your viewer has built up so you can focus on something else for a while because you're more interested in it. And that that it that isn't narcissism, that's a creative impulse, but it's difficult to bring a viewer along for that ride unless you really make it clear that that's what that ride will always be. And the way Bleach started from um, the beginning, from episode one, all the way until they rescue Rukia, is this really solid, like, masterstroke of what a show, shonen power, of what a shonen, shonen jump, like, property can be. Um, the... But after that, it just kind of goes weird because he's like, oh, I have to deal with the implications of this. I'm kind of bored. Let me go focus on this for a while. Let me go focus on this for a while. Let me do, like, this for, like, a weird amount of time. And that... That isn't Ograte style. Ograte is interested in exploring exactly to the letter, to the minutia, what, like, a concept completely fleshed out means. Um, so, for, for example, it says, after the period in the anime, what, after the period, in between the, after the period of the OVAs for, um, for Air Gear. The... After those OVAs end, actually, I think, during the OVAs even, the character who's introduced as, um... I Ikutsis, who's the main character, who I can't believe I haven't mentioned the name at this point. Um... The character is introduced as his mechanic. And the idea of these 
characters having like personalized mechanics that work specifically on their um I forget what the on their uh, I forget what their um rollerblades are for, but on their equipment is like pitched as this like very uh, deeply odd, deeply personal, like borderline romantic, almost certainly intimate and sexual relationship. That like this entire like cast of characters and people in this universe have accepted like this is just part of the deal. If you're gonna be really good at um at ATs, um ATs are what they call the or what they call the um the automated electronic rollerblade. If you're going to be really good at using these, if you're going to function at the highest level, you have this like life partner <laughs> who is essentially like a mechanic spouse, basically. And it, what's interesting there is that Ixi is that Ikusi has like an immediate aversion to this and like, what the fuck? Like I and they make it very clear in this show that he is a total perv, but also that he's like, but that's a like fourteen-year-old boy thing, not like a core character trait, which I find interesting. And he, the show from that point becomes about him changing the narrative of the way this show's universe has behaved since before he's been around. And this brings me to another key point of um, O'Grace's general story tendencies, and why having a show that is cut off at the knees, the way the quote-unquote first season is, is generally speaking just bad, because he likes to, O'Grace as a author likes to write a world that the main character happens to be in. Um, to give you an example, I'll use one of his own things. Um, the world the main character of Iki, of um, not Ikitosen, blah, of Tenjo Tenge happens to be in has existed and been doing its weird-ass thing <laughs> since before he was alive. And he, as a person, has grown up without really understanding it until he starts to in the process of being in um, Tenjo Tenge. And actually, I take it back about Tenjo Tenge. Tenjo Tenge also ends on like a weird con to-be-continued note for probably for the same reason. And one of the reasons why all of Ogre's anime adaptations have ended like this is because they pick a chunk, usually the beginning chunk, where there's the least comp narratively complex and, like, 
visually complex stuff happening. Because eventually in Air Gear, you get, like, I think it's called, like, the Tower of Babel or some insane bullshit. Uh, and, like, it's this central hub where you go to be worked on, where you go to have what they call your regalia, which is a unique kind of AT that you are, uh, kind of AT wheel, that you are the only person who uses, and who has the ability to use, correctly at least, go to have it serviced by your mechanic and involve a lot of mechanical arms and a lot of nudity. <laughs> And in Tenjo Tenge, there's a whole backstory with all of these old ancient families, and then this one outcast family, the main character is from, and they start to get into that right when the show ends. And so, one of the things that I like in anime, that I... That both of these things don't, that, both, that I don't like in anime, rather, that both of these shows do, but Air Gear especially, Air Gear really especially, is I don't want to feel like I'm watching a commercial for something that I'm not going to get the full picture of. And to give you an idea of that, I'm actually going to focus on a show that just came out a couple days ago that I've shotgunned, basically, unintentionally called The Boys, and The Boys is on um, Amazon Prime Streaming, or Amazon Prime Video, but it's a show about, what if the Super Friends were just dicks the way you expect the Super Friends to actually be if they were actually people, and not just, like, paradigm, like, archetypes of justice? Like, what if The Flash was... An asshole with just an asshole who is addicted to super drugs. And it it takes you through A to B it takes you A to Z of what that was, of what that means. Now, just how you feel about the property, since it's a pre existing comic property, irrelevant. It takes you through entirely what that means and what that looks like from multiple perspectives and multiple angles of multiple perspectives. And then the last episode is like, okay, here's this new thing. Tune in for next season. But if they weren't, didn't think that they were going to have another season, they could have cut it right there. They could have found a way to cut it off. And it would have been done. But... They explore every nook and cranny of this concept. The thing with Ogre's stories is that they don't they don't fit tightly into a twenty four episode thing, and but because of the complexity of the story and the the sheer intricateness of his art because I and I can't stress you enough if you haven't seen like later volumes of Air Gear they are beautiful e even the show at moments is beautiful for as odd as it is but 
it, the, for a long time, people said that um, the the JoJo's would be really hard to adapt because of the way the art is done, and because of the sheer disconnected weirdness of jumping from part to part, it being an almost completely separate weird story with like loose one link characters all all along the way. But the reason they do, that they keep making JoJo's is because it found a fan base. It found an intri- it found like a critical success that it didn't have in like the eighties when they first tried to make it. Even if that variant is super infamous. But the problem with Air Gear is it's not a, it's not long enough to have the, like, sheer magnitude of JoJo's, which is, like, still going or some insane shit. Um, but B, it's not... It, it... It wants... Both Tenjo Tenge and Air Gear, but especially Air Gear, I think, want you to take it so deathly serious that all of the, like, fun shit drops away. Like, the the um, tone of the first season of the, like, season of anime there is, and the tone of the OVAs is, like, completely different. Now, the quality of the OVAs is amazing, because it, it is in the HD era of where the original show, the, like, early 2000-looking letterbox nightmare thing, um, not, not actual nightmares, but you get my point. But when you go, when you've seen the original show, and it's this, like, kind of over-the-top, bombastic, sport, like, supercharged sports, anime, rom-com, weird thing, the girl in lingerie with a gym bag on her head, calling herself croissant mask. It's just this whole weird heap of kind of bizarre but great ideas that's held together by the concept itself plus a heaping heaping helping of itchy comedy trapping stuff. But then you go to the OVAs and everything has changed. And I think where I think the the OVAs were made as this kind of like where I think made A as an anniversary thing, but they were also made to be like, hey, how do you guys like some more air gear? Do you want to let us make the rest? Because this thing gets awesome eventually. And everybody was just like, oh air gear! I remember that. And like, this is not what I remember. This is totally dark and like deeply weird. And that is kind of Ogre's weird thing is he as he uses the humor in the beginning and like the anime trappings in the beginning to like set you up so you're okay with sitting with the character through the rest of what he's gonna put you and those characters through, 
which is lots of times not good. And I just so I know I haven't spent a lot of time talking about the anime for Air Gear, but I'm gonna talk about it more now. So basically, the anime starts at the begin at the proper beginning of I think his name is Minami Itsuki lived with kind of four sisters. And he this adopted like little brother character and he's always spying on his sisters in the bath and he's just like getting the crap kicked out of him by his older sister by his oldest sister I think her name is Rika. And eventually he comes across the but he's always watching also on TV this like ESPN two variant of this sport called ATs. I forget what the full name for ATs are, but basically in the sports world, these characters ATs are used for like a kind of like super fucking charged rugby, basically. Like I would say football, but I don't think it's football. It's very clearly feels like rugby. Um but he He's always kind of fascinated by these, but Rika won't let him buy his own pair. And he's like, I don't know, why, why not? And she's like, because nobody in this family does that shit. That shit is dangerous, and she's not wrong. But then he... I think he falls through something. Just not... Or he gets punched through something. And he discovers this room with, like, these... All these different pairs of ATs. And he takes a pair and runs off with them. And he can't really figure out how to use them. He doesn't know how to, like, balance properly or any of this shit. And he just ends up, like, hopping, like, almost killing himself a bunch of times. But then he figures out how to use how to use them properly. And by that time, he ends up at this um, gathering of other skaters where he sees this girl named Simka. And Simka is this becomes this slowly becomes this on again, off again romance tease character, honeypot character eventually um, throughout the series. But in the beginning of the series she's just this like sex icon for all these writers. And she's wearing this white kind of like variant of a um, middle school uniform. It's like white, green stripe around the bottom hem of the skirt, and like a sailor, a sailor um, collar with like the sailor handkerchief thing. But she has all these stickers all over her, and. Minami realizes that the, at this point, it's like, oh, the skates had stickers in them for the single sleeping forest? Eh. And he, um, is like, can I stick one on? Like a big perv, because he sees somebody, like, slap Simka's ass with a sticker, because that's the way this show is a lot of times. And he puts the sticker over another team's sticker. And much like tagging on top of another person's tag, that's a direct challenge. And now he's got to figure out how to 
challenge this dude who's this, like, big dude in a leather jacket with a dog helmet on. And this, this, this is true of both the show and the manga, by the way. Like, he exists in both variants. Um, there's not much that... There's not much that the manga has in it. The anime doesn't. And vice versa. There is, like, one OVA episode for the series. Like, I think it's, like, episode... Like, 25 or some shit. Or 25... 24 and a half or something. And it's, like... Them getting into a eight, getting into a like a race on a abandoned on an actual existing abandoned island, um, that exists in Japan, but um, so this kicks off him a challenging them, and then the rest of his like adopted family, all four sisters, show up. And they finish off the challenge because they don't want to lose street cred, basically. And it don't and like and Rika later yells at him, and he's like, "Screw you!" He takes off, and then eventually they get him his own pair of ATs because Rika doesn't want him using hers because those have significance. And unfortunately, like I said in the first half of this podcast, you will never find out what that is. And through a bunch of shenanigans, he ends up taking on, like, the biggest team in Tokyo, in um, Kanto, more or less. It, or in Tokyo, period. And that is this team called Behemoth, and it has this character who does not leave, like, his own personal giant Thunderdome. He just never goes outside. And he's, like, this character called the Behemoth. And after his match and he wins, he then has to go and like around it and impress the other generals to like hold the whole thing together. And this is where Simka starts to turn from like a like fun, jokey, kind of knows more than she's letting on character to like this character who exists to like further Itsuki's goals, but also hers, somehow, some way. And you don't, even in the OVAs, you never find out what that actually is. Um, <laughs> I'm not entirely sure if I remember that you find out what it actually is in the manga, even. <laughs> but, basically, he ends up going to, um... Okinawa. He ends up going to Okinawa. And if you know anything about Okinawa in cultural significance, Okinawa is different because it was not always, it was like the last place to become part of Japan proper. So they have their own culture, customs that is still to this day different. Like not wholly different than Japan, but different than Japan. And they're very like it's a very proud thing to be Okinawan. Like you are Okinawan before you are Japanese, kind of thing. Lots of times, and they have characters who are uniquely proud of being from Okinawa and have unique styles of skating as a result. And just the way they handle it all is 
it really builds you up. And in the middle of that Okinawa arc, they just stop. And they stop with, like, this wistful thing, like, oh, and then I learned that, like, Itsuki was the best or something from the, from, like, the, um, female love interest character. And it's just, like, like I said, like I said in the first half, it's disheartening because I, I had read the manga since before that and I had been farther along than the anime was. I was really looking forward to seeing the rest of it. And I I was really excited when the um, OVA came out because that was just like, even if it was only a section, it was a section of the of the more complicated, more bizarre part of the manga. It was a section of the anime goes right up until the story starts to become really what it's about. And that makes it feel like, if you know what you're watching at the time, that makes it feel fruitless. It's still a fun, cool, interesting concept to have an anime for an anime to cover and it's a fun, cool, interesting section of a story to, for an anime to cover but unfortunately because, like I said uh, old great stories tend to be so bottom heavy that they don't they don't have a chance to really knock you out of the park until like act two act three of four if that makes any sense but because you can't just drop somebody in into the middle of it, you have to tell the beginning of the story. So the so like the people who made the Air Gear anime aren't left with a whole lot of choice in the matter. Um, but I know there's been a weird episode and slightly shorter episode, but I always say that, but it ends up not being that. Um, I have been Alex. You've been listening to Lunchbox Radio. Be sure to check the schedule and come check out my panels if you're going to Liberty City Anime this weekend. I can't wait to see if you do. If you don't, um, I've got some other stuff cooking, so look out for that. But until then, I will talk to you later.